Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to uh, the Naughty Marketer Podcast live. This is the first time that I'm uh, recording the episode doing live stream. So right now I'm live streaming to LinkedIn. Um, so bear with me if there are some glitches and some hiccups. Um, I don't have any fancy equipment right now, so I'm just trying to do the best with what I have. Uh, however, I'm recording this uh, locally, so in case that everything goes south, I'm going to be able to upload this video and the recording, of course, uh, for the podcast on YouTube and on any other podcast platform. So uh, I'm as I'm just testing this out, uh, basically what I'm going to do is just to uh, talk about uh, one uh, news that I wanted to share with you. Um, it has to do with, it had to do, uh, or you have to do with uh, advertising and how to do uh, targeting right now. Uh, so without any further ado, just uh, kick this off. So I'm just checking this uh, LinkedIn stream dashboard and apparently uh, it's not doing so good. I don't know why. I have a good connection. I'm, I'm hardwired uh, to, to the internet. Um, however, it seems that the video rate is not uh, that good. So don't worry. Uh, I'm sorry to... <laughs> Uh, to those of you who try to see this uh, recording live, um, whatever, ho however, um, let's just move forward. Uh, I promise that I'm going to keep improving this. This is just the best, uh, the first uh, attempt to do this. I'm using OBS Studio, so if uh, there's anyone uh, out there that has pretty much uh, more experience than me uh, using OBS for doing live streaming, uh, you let me know. I was trying to do to use uh, Restream, but I'm being such a sucker for uh, open source software. I wanted to, to uh, give it a give it OBS a try uh, for this. So luckily, I'm going to be able to finish this off. Um, everything keeps moving rather smoothly. Uh, I think that the the stream is kind of glitchy, but uh, I don't know. Let's just uh, move forward. So what I wanted to um, share with you, one one article that I was reading um, yesterday that was uh, kind of interesting for me, it has to do with uh, an, an analysis that uh, Adalytics uh, did about how to do retargeting. And what essentially what they wanted to do is to verify how good companies and brand uh, were doing with uh, retargeting. Okay, uh, they cover many different aspects. Uh, they also cover reach, uh, segmentation, um, how good of a uh, of a target has been defined, uh, and it was kind of interesting because it give us uh, it gives us a glimpse of on how companies 
like very large companies are uh, dealing with these uh, targeted ads nowadays. So let's just um, try to to take a look at this uh, article. Uh, some of the the final observations of, of of the article, as you can see here, I'm just going to use the reading mode. Uh, has to do with um, I mean, they say that Amazon, Progressive, American Express, they serve ads to a wide range of users, uh, whether Toyota, MasterCards, or CVS appear to have a, a significant, significantly narrower approach. So basically what they are saying right here is that, uh, I, I don't know, like Amazon, for example, does not care so much about uh, narrowing it down to go into customers that are inside the funnel, uh, the conversion funnel that would be, uh, not as Zappos and PayPal, uh, who apparently are aiming to people that are already in the conversion funnel. With that being said, one interesting thing here is that uh, they have identified that PayPal appears to be overly optimistic with the prospective customer intent. Like, uh, they're just thinking that a higher percentage of their uh, customers or potential customers are going to be converting to be actual customers, uh, which is kind of interesting, especially being PayPal, uh, such a large company. This is one of the, I mean, when, when you do uh, prospecting 101 uh, in the university, one of the things that I teach my students is that they, they have to be very careful on identifying on which stage of the conversion funnel the user is uh, so that they can not, so that they don't make any mistakes uh, when um, trying to uh, well get uh, out to to them uh, using any marketing collateral. Uh, they also uh, identify some things interesting, like some pharmaceutical companies. Uh, they have been targeting uh, people that are non-healthcare professionals, whether they actually should be targeting them because uh, for um, medicines and drugs that are just prescribed so that you what you want to do is to uh, make your uh, prescriber to uh, to know about and to be aware of that uh, drug they're not doing that uh, so we could think that they could be wasting some kind of resources there also, uh, companies like Nike, uh, they are 93% accurate with the regarding, uh, regarding to the target uh, they are uh, choosing and they are going after, which is also not that uh, or surprising, at least for me, um, for two main reasons. The first one would be that Nike uh, has a strong and robust knowledge of their customers and their and their audience uh, but also there is another thing that uh, it's interesting and it has to do with uh, the fact that Nike appeals to a broader kind of audience right so uh, the chances to be wrong into who are you're targeting uh, are less um, I mean are rather small uh, 
And that, with that being said, one, one other thing that they also uh, studied here, which is interesting, is how good are they doing with the gender base, the behavioral art targeting, and uh, some of the interested, interest uh, art-based um, targeting also. So let's take a look at the here. Uh, one of the things that I, that I wanted to, uh, to, to focus on has to do with uh, how they um, identify uh, the the calibration, uh, the setup of the of the marketing funnel. Okay, so obviously one of the things that you have to be aware is uh, which stages uh, of your funnel are you going to be uh, targeting, or in, on which stages of your conversion funnel are you going to uh, step onto uh, with marketing collaterals and advertising for that matter, which is uh, this case. Um, and uh, when we take a look at how uh, some of the, I'm going to leave you the the link to the to the article because it's very 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 good to to is a very good read uh, for this. Um, it gives a sense that there is not one uh, size fit all. As you can see, we are taking a look here at different uh, approaches to how. Um, they are tagging the traffic uh, and the users coming and popping up in the in the different segments and the different stages of the conversion funnel. And as you can see, Sappos has one uh, one approach. Then we have the Rouse University School of Medicine, for example. Then we have also PayPal. Um, obviously, UTMs. I mean, we are not just uh, judging if they use UTMs because that is the way to go right now, right? Uh, but what we are taking a look here uh, is uh, their approach into what they use and how they tag uh, that traffic that uh, keeps coming from um, from the internet. So it's interesting. So this is, I mean, oftentimes when I when I'm in class, I have some students asking some questions, uh, ra rather often the, the answer to any digital marketing question is uh, it depends, right? Uh, so there is not a black or white kind of answer here and there are no absolutes in online marketing. For I would say that in marketing in general, but in online marketing, it's uh, ever more truth, uh, ever more true uh, to that. Um, the thing here is that uh, when you analyze your business, uh, your business model, the approach that you have uh, when while doing online marketing, you have to adapt. You have to make sure that you are using uh, the best resources to identify the things that, that works for you and that you adapt uh, any, I mean, technology, technique, whatever, uh, methodology uh, to that that uh, fits best with your target audience, with your product and the way of doing business uh, from the company. Oftentimes, and right now, you also have to uh, think about um, the values of the company as well to be um, in line with what the brand or the company defends and promotes. Uh, another thing that was um, that was interesting was how um, they are targeting or tagging uh, gender-based um, ads, okay? So as you can see here, uh, an example of uh, Bangkok, uh, Bangkok uh, was, um, I mean, they, one of the, one of the, uh, the UTM tags that they use uh, is the gender. I mean, that is a parameter that they have um, 
defined for those, uh, for, for, I mean, for the, some of their uh, campaigns. Uh, and one of the things that they analyze here is how um, these parameters, uh, descri uh, descriptors, uh, I mean, suggest uh, if they are focusing on male or female targeting campaigns. Uh, in this case, the gender of the given uh, analytics, which is obviously the ones uh, doing the, the research user, was uh, cross-referenced to determine if the ad was accurately served, quote-unquote. Okay. Uh, they also had as an example Nike, who uh, they observed w were running um, ads for both men's and women's shoes uh, that um, when seen by different uh, participants of that study, uh, 78 Nike shoe ad impressions uh, in total, 73 were appropriately matched. So that they did good. So they have a great, great approach into showing the right product for the right gender. Uh, obviously, we are being simplistic here, thinking about two genders, um, but um, to the, to, I mean, in, in the right moment. So, and this is easier said than done, uh, especially when you work in the retail uh, segment uh, or, or industry, it's ever more difficult to make sure uh, that you target the one, the people that you want to target. Uh, and that, uh, I mean, we keep adding more layers to that when uh, the segmentation uh, based on gender is still, um, we only have two options. Uh, but more and more platforms are making people uh, um, more to choose, users to choose more more options to define their own gender. So um, this is uh, one thing that you have to uh, you have to keep in mind when thinking about gender uh, target targeting here uh, in this article. It was super uh, super interesting um, as well. Uh, the behavioral and uh, ad targeting they focus on the healthcare professionals, which uh, was interesting. Uh, one of the things that uh, they mentioned was that uh, there were several companies uh, that they, uh, as I mentioned before, that serving ads um, that direct the user to drug information, to a drug information website that was intended for medical doctors or people that uh, are in the, uh, are healthcare professionals. So why? Because they are going to be the prescribers. So if you don't target um, uh, those people, uh, that could have, uh, from my point of view, two ways, uh, two readings, two different, totally different readings. The first one uh, has to do with a missed um, optimization of uh, the campaign, but also, I mean, because you are not targeting the one uh, person that you want to target that, it's going to make the decision, right, the, the decision maker, but also you could be facing uh, the fact that you don't want to target uh, the decision maker. You want to target the ultimate prescriber, which is going to be, it could be the patient. It could be uh, someone in the staff that doesn't have a necessarily a responsibility in the healthcare system, but, uh, or unit, whatever, uh, but that can ask and I mean, can, can, can start to be informed about the product or the drug in this case. Uh, and also if you think about how, um, 
users and consumers wants to be more and more informed about the things that they are using. We have seen this with COVID vaccines. A lot of information has been put out there and a lot of people are interested in knowing uh, everything about the vaccines. What are the differences between the main ones, uh, side effects, effectiveness uh, rate and all the stuff. Uh, so this could be also another reading which should I mean which is not necessarily something bad uh, from 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 the strategic uh, point of view for uh, from from marketing campaigns right uh, then thinking about uh, interest-based uh, targetings uh, we haven't said this but obviously heavily based on Facebook ads uh, Facebook and Instagram ads as you know um, uh, things like uh, the National Rifle Association, which is, uh, an, uh, well, everybody knows that association in the United States. Uh, one of the things that uh, they have been targeting are related interest, which is kind of, I mean, and this is not something new, but this is just revalidating how uh, the mix and match between uh, the behavior of your buyer persona can be used for campaigns uh, to begin with. And this is something that, again, in class, I tell my students a lot because one of the things that you, uh, especially since, I mean, for the past two years, I would say, uh, when that, that you have been to be more creative when creating a campaign, especially on Facebook because of all the limitations and this has been uh, becoming a, a larger issue since uh, all the restrictions and the third party data uh, restrictions that we are having right now and that we are still uh, there they're still to come with uh, with some other with the cookie less and all the stuff uh, from from Google and Apple and obviously thinking about uh, and, and going back to the drawing board uh, to look at how your buyer persona is that ideal customer what do they care about what do they purchase what uh, do they like what do they listen to online what do they watch give you a lot a lot of ideas to um, overcome those obstacles and to well create a campaign that could be effective into getting uh, to them without having to define or identify those specific uh, interests that are related with your product, especially when you have some kind of limitations. I mean, guns, alcohol, and many other different uh, categories are banned and limited for um, uh, advertising platforms like Facebook. So you have to be creative. You have to be uh, very smart into how to get to that to the to that audience and what kind of message are you going to um, uh, convey to them, right? And last but not least, something that has been useful, uh, very useful for many many uh, many years now, uh, the lookalike audience. Um, just as you have, uh, I, I don't know, well, I don't know if everybody is aware of uh, what a lookalike audience, a look, lookalike audiences are those that you can create on Facebook based on, uh, different, different, uh, parameters. I mean, you can create a lookalike audience to, uh, people that have, uh, converted to a specific campaign. You can create lookalike audiences to people that has, uh, followed your fan page. Well, this is not a fan page, your Facebook page, uh, people that has, uh, coming into your website. I don't know anything that, 
any um, action that can trigger a reaction that you can set as a parameter or as a value to create a lookalike audience. So this has, this has been really, really um, useful uh, for many, many years um, for, mar I mean, many years, for, for the past uh, decade at least, uh, for creating these um, more curated kind of uh, audiences. One of the reasons why lookalike audiences uh, work so good was because um, the profile of the users online was so enriched that it was easy for the platforms to identify uh, similar patterns among different kind of users. Uh, so that way I could reach out to uh, an, another user inside that platform that uh, which for which uh, the, the rate or the probability of converting into becoming a customer uh, was higher than if I was just trying to identify that for uh, because of interest or whatever other uh, criteria based on uh, that platform itself. So um, that is what lookalike audiences are. So uh, in this case, as you can see, um, or what they have identified is that um, well, they have a lot uh, of use uh, for, for many, many companies. One of the interesting, th interesting things, uh, though, that I read, uh, read on this article was that, um, well, the, the fact that lookalike audiences might offer uh, a reduced uh, return of ad on ad spend, which is the amount of money that you have invested on that campaign, uh, to small companies. And, and that makes a lot of sense. But uh, for me, uh, I mean, at least in my humble experience, that has not been the case. Um, because um, when you have a small audience, if you can replicate and create multiple, uh, well, they are going to be equally small uh, audiences that has the same profile, the same template of those who have converted, uh, it would be easier to for you to to get to that um to to those new customers or potential customers to make them convert um uh, however um this is one of the things that uh that they have identified obviously uh this could be uh, the case when you don't have enough data, obviously, if you only have 10 visitors coming to your website, you have 20 followers on any any platform, whatever, uh, that is not going to be enough for, um, I mean, you have to think about statistics, right? You need to have a critical mass of uh, data so that you can create a, a robust statistical model to find some other people that could be uh, a good fit for uh, for you. So, um, I don't, I, this was uh, the article that I wanted to, to share with you just because I, I didn't want to, to spend so much time in case that uh, things didn't go uh, well with, um, with um, streaming, which I believe it's the case. I think it was, it froze on LinkedIn. Uh, so I need, I will need to check this, uh, with, um, with the LinkedIn team. Uh, and also probably it's, 
is my problem. It's something that I did wrong uh, setting up the OBS. Uh, but well, uh, this could be the start of a new um, way of doing this, uh, the episode of, of the podcast. Uh, luckily, I'm going to, well, I'm going to post this uh, to LinkedIn and to any other uh, social network as well. Uh, even though the, the stream was, uh, I think it froze. Yeah, it froze, it's totally froze. Um, but, um, the idea is to have the, I, I kind of like it more because it gives no chances for, uh, redoing things and to re-record some things that I've been missing. Uh, being a professor and, and a keynote speaker, I love to um, make mistakes on public. I mean, uh, that is the nature of humans, right? And, and I feel more comfortable when I think, when I know that I cannot take some, I mean, I, I cannot take anything back when I when I can, when I, when I make an, a mistake, um, and I think it kind of conveys a more truthful image of who I am in uh, in real life, right? So um, that would be it. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, for those of you listening or watching to this. Um, um, and, and any other moment, uh, well, just you know that uh, I'm going to be uh, recording these episodes uh, live from now on, probably. Uh, please, if you like it, uh, make sure to subscribe. I'm going to leave you the link for this article on uh, on the description, show descriptions on 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 your podcast, and you can you're going to be able to. Uh, grab it on any podcast service that you use on youtube of course and on linkedin i'm going to leave it in my personal linkedin and the not your marketer uh page which uh oftentimes i don't post too many things there uh well uh, that is the life of an entrepreneur and uh when you do a lot of things uh and you don't have a uh, team backing you up you have to do multiple things you are like an octopus uh but i promise that i'm going to share that with you thank you thank you thank you for coming back i'm just going to rump, jump into the outro and thank you for being there and limpy out mm -hmm.